before us. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. The idea is not so much that these are separate actions that God does. It's by his resting, the day is blessed and it is made holy. So from here on out, blessing is associated with the seventh day. And the seventh day is set apart as sacred. Holy, sacred. I'll just say a brief comments about each of these. It is the blessing of God that enables fruitfulness. Apart from God's blessing, there is no fruitfulness. When Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, he's referring to his blessing. Any true flourishing, whether it be physical or spiritual, is the result of God's blessing. So by his resting, God is declaring to Adam and Eve his blessing upon the home in which they live. It's kind of like, you know, somebody comes in and pronounces their blessing over the home. God rested, and so he blesses the day. Now, a big part of that blessing is our recognizing that blessing comes from God and partaking in that blessing as we honor the day and rest from our own labors. To not stop all of our busyness is the height of ingratitude. We are declaring to God that we don't really believe that all blessing comes from him. You understand that? To just go on with your lives and to not in some way stop and cease from our labor is ingratitude that God is the source of all blessing. The second implication is that by resting, God made the seventh day holy or sacred. Now, holiness here does not really mean moral. can have that, that meaning. Uh, you want to live a holy life, in some sense, means a moral life. But not here. It simply means set apart in a way that makes it especially important. Set apart in a way that makes it especially important. There's nothing especially sacred about Sunday or Saturday. We'll get to that distinction later on. It is made sacred only by God ceasing from his working. And I think this is why later on when the command is given in the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath, it's, it makes sense because if you just were to look at life, what makes Sunday or Saturday any different from the other days of the week? Nothing specially different about them. Certainly, to an unbelieving world, they're not going to see any distinction between the Sabbath and the other days of the week. So what happens here by God choosing to cease from his work and to rest on that day, he is establishing something that we would call sacred time. 
just as God will establish sacred places or holy places and also holy people, he here establishes that there are times that are sacred from other times. The seventh day is sacred. And with the giving of the Ten Commandments, God commands his people to treat this day as sacred. Let me try to illustrate this. So the marriage relationship is a holy relationship. It's an important relationship. Husband and wife realize that that's the case, and so they decide to set apart Friday night as their date night. They have, in setting apart that time for their date, in a much lesser sense, but in a, in a par, uh, analogous sense, they have made sacred that time. Now, there are many things that they could do on that date night. They might talk about it together. What do you want to do? One might be different from another date, but it's, they decide what they want to do on that date. If while you're on the date, you let other interests intrude the date night, oh my goodness, the Cleveland Cavaliers are playing basketball tonight. You have brought something else into the date. You have violated the holiness of that time. The seventh day is sacred. That means it is special. It is important and it is to be valued by us because God has in his own resting made it holy. The seventh day is blessed and it is made holy from the very beginning of creation. Even before our fall into sin. But with our fall into sin... And the loss of God's blessing, the Sabbath rest becomes a metaphor of salvation itself. Now just hear that. So before sin, it's still holy, it's, it's set apart, it's blessed, but with our fall into sin and the loss of God's blessing, the Sabbath rest becomes a metaphor of salvation itself. Man, through his rebellion, has lost God's blessing. Sinful man is no longer able to enter God's rest. Sinful man lives his life in this world restless. Once lost, God would have been perfectly just to never again let sinful man partake of his rest. Each one of us deserves an eternal hell. One way to describe hell would be to say that it is a place of unrest. But praise be to God. In his eternal, wonderful mercy, he has not left us in our state of unrest, but has graciously chosen to redeem us by a Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we follow 
the Sabbath, throughout Scripture, it has a redemptive purpose. Not not different from the original rest, but actually flowing out of that original rest. You see, what God has done is he has taken it upon himself to do a new work. If his first work was completed, now he's going to do a new work. And what is that new work that he's going to do? It is going to redeem those who have lost his blessing. I actually believe that the Sabbath's primary relevance is to encourage our faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The primary purpose. There are many other good and practical reasons to keep the Sabbath. But they must never become so uh, overwhelming to us that, that, they, that they cloud or eclipse the primary purpose. The Sabbath is given by God to lead you to Jesus Christ. Let me just, for the sake of going through this, the Sabbath, some of these other good reasons that we don't want to let them eclipse. These are good and wise reasons. For instance, you are called to work. God has determined that it is good for you to work six days and then rest one day. God set this pattern for us by his own example. Have you ever considered that the seven-day week is not determined by anything in creation? We know that a day is determined by one rotation of the earth. We know that a month is determined by the position of the moon in its orbit around the earth. We know that a year is determined by one revolution of the earth around the sun. But there is no natural reason for the week. It's nowhere. God just said, hey, this is good. Six days of work, one day of rest. And it may come a surprise to you that there have been cultures throughout history who have tried to do away with the seven-day week. I think it was in Russia that they tried to go on a 10-day week. I'm not, don't, I have it somewhere in the back of my mind on that. But others have tried to shorten the week. Let's just go for a five-day week. These have not lasted long. God has given us a good and wise pattern. And we should not think of ourselves wiser than God. Understand that our own five-day work week is still folk patterned on the seven-day week the idea of moving to a five-day work week was not somehow to, to alter that pattern. It, the seven-day working comes out of an agrarian uh, society where all of your work is done primarily at home, and so you're, you're taking care of your home and your livelihood at the same time. But when the Industrial Revolution hit and you've got people going off away from home to work, they needed one extra day to get back and deal with their affairs of their home. So you could still have your one day of rest. But even if a society were to keep the six and uh, the pattern of six and one pattern, and they miss Christ, 
they've missed the whole point. Our goal is not to just somehow turn the society back to the blue laws again. The Pharisees kept the Sabbath. The rules of the Sabbath, they missed Christ. Another practical reason for the Sabbath is physical and spiritual refreshment. And as humans in our society today, we understand how much anxiety and stress that we have, and we all need to somehow find rest to rejuvenate. That's a, that's a common theme in our world today, even in the non-Christian world in which we live. And I think it's a good thing. We all need to learn how to rest. I've been told that I don't know how to rest very well. Or the reason why I was sick this past week was to learn how to rest a little bit better, which I think is a good thing. But even if we knew how to experience physical rejuvenation correctly, taking this day as Jesus, you know, taking this day as a day to, to stop and rest so that your body rejuvenates, if you miss Christ, you miss the intent of the day. That's my point. I just gave you two. There are tons of reasons. If you start trying to actually practice the Sabbath, I can guarantee you, you will see countless uh, uh, good and wise reasons why God has given us a Sabbath day. But do not let any of those reasons become the prime reason and do not let them cloud our need to trust in Christ who is our eternal rest you see from the very beginning from the very beginning in Genesis 2 it is not about you it is about God resting do you understand this it is about God ceasing from his labor God commands us in the fourth commandment to rest from our labors but it's because he rested And if you look at the, compare the Exodus account of the fourth commandment and the Deuteronomy account, in the, Deuteron- in the Exodus account, it's about God's example of resting in the original creation, but in the Deuteronomy account, it is about God redeeming his people. Deuteronomy 5.15 says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. God is in the business of working to redeem his people. That is the work that he's doing right now. It doesn't take long for us, and if you read the Bible, to realize that slavery to the Egyptians was not the real problem. What is the real problem? Slavery to your own sinful heart. Strangely enough, The only hope that you will ever have of being uh, free from your sin and able to enter God's rest is if God does a work of new creation in your soul. The Sabbath is is a means by which the... um, the Israelites actually declare their thankfulness of God's work of redemption. And to just 
stubbornly refuse to repent of your sin, to simply go on living your life the way you want to live, and to not pause from your labors to give God thanks, is a way of saying, I don't want your rest. And this is why we get to Psalm 95, which was uh, in our first song today, and it's, it's where God says to His people, you have stubborn hearts. You won't repent. You won't look to me for your blessing. You are intent on living the life the way you want. And if you continue to live that way, you will never enter my rest. Period. And so I ask you today, where is your heart? Are you determined to live your life the way you want to live it? Do you stubbornly refuse to repent of your sin? Because you cannot have sin and God's rest. You can't have both of them. Now, I know that we're all still sinners, and I know that we all still are in this process of trying to see sin rooted out of our lives. But just have in your mind, this is a very uh, sanctifying thought, if I say, do I want God's rest? Or do I want my sin? Because I can't have them both. The cry of a true Christian is save me from my sin. All of it. Are you? Are you trusting him? Are you crying out to him, save me from my sin? I hate it. If you have not prayed that prayer, earnestly, crying out to the Lord, save me from my sin, you're not a Christian. It's that simple. And Jesus says if you remain in that rebellious state, that hardened state, you will never enter his rest. And I would just encourage you today. Maybe it's even now as you're sitting here. Maybe it's in the song as we sing in closing. Maybe it's later this afternoon. But actually cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ to save you. It's the most important decision anyone will ever make. Cast yourself on the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. You see, because I believe that the Sabbath is given to us to lead us to Christ and to give us confidence that when we trust in Christ, we will enter His rest. See, there's no way to fix you There's no way to fix this old creation except to just do away with it and start a brand new work of new creation in your heart. That's the only way. Ephesians 2 speaks of us being dead in our sins. And in the moment as we are dead in our sins, 
Jesus makes us alive. 2 Corinthians 5 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Whenever a person is converted and they repent of their sin and trust in the Jesus Christ, that is the point of salvation in a person's heart. Without repentance and faith, there is no salvation. But let me tell you this. Repentance and faith are not the cause of a new creation in your heart. They are the fruits of God's work of new creation. You see, God is in the business of awakening people where there is only death. He is working today Every time that he saves another soul, he is recreating in them a new work of creation. We thought that he stopped completely. No, he's doing a new work of new creation every time he saves a person. But here's the deal. God's work of new creation in your heart has been begun, but it is not finished. Christ is being formed in every person who has come to Jesus Christ, but it is not finished yet. In some sense, we, we wrestle the rest of our lives with trying to overcome the wickedness of our heart because there's a new heart in us that wants to defeat it, but it's an ongoing struggle that we have, and we yearn for the day when that will be done. What is it that gives you confidence that you will win? I believe it's because God finishes what he begins. Paul seems to agree. He says in Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. How did Paul know that? Because he knows that God does not start projects and leave them unfinished. And from the very beginning, God has shown us, shown us what he does when he completes a project. He rests. I've told you that the work of new creation is not yet finished. But while Jesus hung on the cross, the accomplishment of your salvation was finished. This is why at the cross, Jesus cries out, it is finished! His work of securing your redemption was finished at the cross. And how do we know it wasn't just His words? Because when He rose from the dead, He is ascended to the right hand of God, and He sits down and rests. Of course he's doing things there. He's praying for us. He's protecting us. But his accomplishment of the work of redemption was finished at the cross. And in his resurrection, we see that it is fully accomplished. This, without going into all the nuances and... Uh, 
exegesis of it. This is why it is right to worship on Sunday and to have our Sabbath on Sunday. Because this is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The work of new creation, securing your own resurrection from the grave, is done on the day one. Can you imagine this this glorious work of new creation occurring, and we just say, let's keep on worshiping on the old Sabbath. He's going to be like, what? I rose from the dead on the first day of the week. It is on the first day of the week that we see that his, that, he, that eternal blessing, the blessing that we lost in our sin, becomes ours again as we are united with Christ in his resurrection. This is why Paul says things like, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because Christ has secured for us once again the fullness of blessing that was lost in our sin. Our fruitfulness flows from the blessing that is ours because Jesus Christ was crushed on the cross. We are able to pursue holiness and righteousness because the holy and righteous one lives in us because Jesus Christ has fully paid the price for our sin. And so when it comes to the Sabbath, we rest from our pitiful labors Because Jesus is resting from his. We repent of our sins on a regular basis because Jesus has freed us from them. We walk in newness of life because we're walking with Jesus Christ, our resurrected Lord. God has finished the accomplishment of your redemption at the cross. He has yet to finish his work of new creation in you, but God always finishes what he begins. Sunday is a day to rest from your working on your own redemption. And declare your faith in his finished work. Do you do that on Sunday? Do you come here saying, oh, thank you Jesus for your finished work. Sunday is also a day to repent of your current sins. Knowing that these sins have already been destroyed in Christ in his death on the cross and that they are a part of the old creation so much so that Paul says it is no longer me doing it because I'm a part of the new creation. It is sin living in me and I know it's on the way out. Sunday is also a day to rest of God's blessing over you. You are now under his blessing. And what that means is that in this life, God will take care of you, even though in this life you will have to suffer. All of those sufferings serve his good purposes for you. 
But to rest in God's blessing is ultimately to place our faith in the eternal rest where there is no suffering whatsoever. Sunday is a day for you to begin enjoying eternal fellowship that is yours in Jesus Christ with God. It's a day to say, you know, I have to think about the rest of the world. I can focus on my date with God and enjoy the blessings that I have of a fellowship with Him. And I would say that Sunday is a day to help you break free of the hold that this world may still have on you. In this day, God asks us to let go of the things, even the good things in this world, so that we would spend more time thinking about Him and focusing on the eternal rest that we have. And as we do that, even though they're good things that we would do on other days of the week, we begin to say, oh, but those things don't have a grip on my heart. God is first in my life. You see, because as you practice the Sabbath, you are, as the, the hymn writer will say in just a moment, you are standing on Pisgah's mountain looking into your promised land. There is a rest remaining. We're not there yet. We're not in our eternal rest. We haven't reached the end of our time in this life where we enter that eternal rest. But we are already living in God's rest through faith in Jesus Christ. And the Lord's day is designed to help you continue to have confidence that the finished work of Christ is able and sufficient to carry you all the way to your eternal rest. That's my hope for you. If you want to look into the the personal details of how to keep a Sabbath, come to Sunday school class and we get to the fourth commandment. But whatever you do, do not lose the importance of seeking and trusting in Christ. That is the essence of this day. God rested. That's the importance of the day. Amen. Ken's going to come up here. We're going to sing O Day of Rest and Gladness.